Hey everybody, my name is Jay Blakesburg and I am a rock and roll photographer in San Francisco, California, and you are listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast with Robert Miller. Everyone has a dream. Robert Miller is a musician who had a dream to become a rock star. He followed his dream and he succeeded. If you're ready to pursue and succeed at your dream, then listen up and get inspired and motivated to take action today. Welcome to the Follow Your Dream Podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Follow Your Dream Podcast with listeners in 200 countries. And guess what? Today I found out we're number seven in Lithuania. How about that? I'm Robert Miller, your host. My guest today is Graham Lesh, guitar player and singer-songwriter for the band's Midnight North, which is his band, and Phil Lesh's Terrapin Family Band, and Phil Lesh and Friends. And for anybody that doesn't know, Phil Lesh from the Grateful Dead is Graham's dad. Graham has traveled the world with his dad's bands and performed all over the place, playing the Grateful Dead songbook. Guest artists have included Sheryl Crow, John Schofield, Warren Haynes, and Bob Weir, another member of the Grateful Dead. Midnight North has a new album coming out this fall. It's called Diamonds in the Zodiac, which was produced by Amy Helm, who happens to be the daughter of LaVon Helm of the band. And she's the stepdaughter, I learned, of Donald Fagan of Steely Dan. So this episode is truly a family affair. And in the middle, we're going to do, as I do with all of my musician guests, what I call a song fest. I've asked Graham to send me a handful of his best works. We're going to play a little bit of them. I'll ask him some questions. You'll get the backstories. And nobody else does this in podcasts. And you also know by now that in every episode of the podcast, I feature a song of mine underneath the introduction and at the end. And I always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guest. And in this instance, my featured song is Trippin' from the album of the same name by my band Project Grand Slam. This is the album that went to number one on Billboard. Why? Well, this one was easy. Graham comes out of the Grateful Dead family, and there's no band that's more associated with Trippin' than the Dead. <laughs> so I thought it worked. So, Graham Lesh, welcome to the Follow Your Dream podcast, baby. Yeah, thank you for having me. Okay, full disclosure, I got to let you know, I actually saw you and your dad perform uh, probably three to five years ago at a place called the Brooklyn Bowl in Brooklyn, New York City. Yeah. And it was very cool because a good friend of mine, John Wisdom is a rock photographer, and he was photographing the whole event. Yes. So I actually got behind the stage and all of that stuff, and it was very cool. Excellent concert, I might add. Ah, uh, very cool. Yeah, I know John. We love playing the Brooklyn Bowl. Yeah, we play there a decent amount. So I'm sure you saw a good show because they always are there. <laughs> it was a good show and a big crowd, too. All right, so I got to ask the question. How was it growing up with the Grateful Dead? Okay. I mean, did they play trucking for you when you were in your crib? Okay, when all the other kids were hearing Old MacDonald had a farm. Did you hear trucking, Sugar <laughs> Magnolia? Tell me about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that music was 
all around me and my brother, you know, our entire childhood, basically. And, you know, really made it easy to, to like learn the songs because they're pretty much embedded in our brains, you know, since we were, we were young and the music is so timeless and, and perfectly American. And, you know, it's always been my songbook and uh, it's, it's kind of turned into everyone else's as well. And yeah, so we, we grew up around that music for sure. We would go on, on the big tours. I was born in December of 1986. So that's like not long before they blew up to another level when they put out touch of gray and released the album in the dark and kind of went from being more of a cult band to playing stadiums for the last, you know, eight years of their existence. So uh, yeah, I, uh, I was born at an interesting time in Grateful Dead history, so um, I got to be around a lot of that craziness. Well, I told the story recently that I became familiar with the Grateful Dead in pre-cult time, okay, because mm. in 1966, my family took a trip out to the West Coast. I was way too young at that time, but this was like the beginnings of the whole Haight-Ashbury thing. And of course, the Grateful Dead and the Airplane and Quicksilver Messenger Service, all those bands were just kind of getting started. I think Pigpen was still the, the keyboard player in the Grateful Dead at that time. Yeah. And uh, Jay Blakesburg, a mutual friend of ours, this great rock photographer, said at that time, if you took a, a little poll and you said, who is the least likely band to become you know, the biggest thing in the world, everyone would have voted for the Grateful Dead. But look what happened. Yeah, what a time that must have been, uh, for sure. Especially living here in the Bay Area now, and that's where I was born and raised. So, yeah, just kind of crazy to think of what it was like in those, you know, mid-60s times. Um, all the all the music and all the bands all concentrated in such a tiny little area. Absolutely true. Okay, so as you're growing up, did you get interested in music straight away or how did that come about? Yeah, it was kind of just all around me. Um, I mean, I was I was eight when Jerry Garcia died. So, you know, I wasn't necessarily uh, super in tune with what the Grateful Dead was doing then. I was a little kid, you know, um, but the music was all around me for sure. And then my folks were like, uh, you know, they had me go to piano lessons and just learn music like I would any other uh, school subject. Um, my dad is a very accomplished and uh, studied uh, fan and and like he's a very into classical music and jazz and very much like has studied all the musical theory and 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 all all of that all of that. So anyway, you know, we we got sent to piano lessons and um, and learning about music uh, from a very early age, but I didn't really get into playing the instrument that I now play, which is guitar, until I was in my early teens. And that was really kind of around the time my dad started doing his Phil Eschen Friends shows. Um, and so I, you know, I got to kind of be learning to play music at the same time that I was um being surrounded by all these amazing musicians that my dad was surrounding himself by uh, or surrounding himself with. And that was really cool for me to like be watching Phil and friends with Warren Haynes and Jimmy Herring and, you know, Barry Sless and 
all these wonderful folks who now I know and have played with, played music with, but at the time they were just friends of my dad's who, you know, really just played this amazing shit. So um, I was uh, really stoked to really just be able to learn and watch from right on stage uh, what what these amazing players were doing. So were you kind of in the minor leagues at that time, sitting on the sideline? Did you have to audition for your dad or did she go right into the band? Oh, no. I My family was just, at, at this point that I'm talking about, this is 2000, 1999 to probably 2004 or five. You know, I'm in middle school and high school. I'm not playing with them. I'm just watching. My family's traveling with with the band and you know we'd go on tour my brother and i would go on tour with phil and friends um just so the family would be together with my mom and dad and so the whole band kind of became a fan and crew kind of became a family and so i got to just watch and i was just jamming with them i think i sat in for a song when i was like a junior in high school or something like that and you know that's that was all fun but i i didn't necessarily expect to do this for a living i was a kid i didn't know what i was gonna do um but really uh, you know not that long after in 2010 uh, we did a show at levon helm studios with levon and that's where we met amy helm who's you know a dear friend and uh, larry campbell was in phil Eschen friends at the time uh of, and he was also band leading levon's band at the time as well. And so we did the show there and my brother and I played with my dad just for that show. It was a special little show. I don't know if you've ever been to the barn to Levon Helm Studios, but it's it's small, it's 250. And it was Levon's house at the same time. This was in Woodstock, New York, if I remember, right? Yes, yep. So we finished the show and I've told the story before, but we just walked into Levon's kitchen. He brought us back and we were hanging out late into the night. And my parents, uh, my dad must've been 70 at the time. And my mom were just like, Oh, I want, I want this. I want people to come to us. Um, so they spent the next almost two years building up, well, not physically building, but, uh, figuring out how to do that themselves. And that became Terrapin Crossroads, which was their music venue that opened in 2012 and closed in 2021. Um, but that was really where I got the, I don't know, you can call it grad school or um, whatever, but that's where, you know, we had to fill every day with music in one of the stages. We ended up with three stages of various sizes and especially on in the little bar, it was a bar and restaurant and there was a bar stage and we had the, the we call it the great room, G-R-A-T-E. Uh, which was 400 people. And so my dad would play for them, for people there, but then he'd just come down on a Tuesday and jam with whoever for free in the bar. So we kind of had to build up a, a, a community of musicians to build up the community of people and fans. And that community of musicians kind of just rotated and played seven days a week in that bar. Like you said, that's one heck of a grad school education. Yeah. That kind of training. Um, and, you know, amazing players would come down. You know, we we had Bob Weir would come down and play with my dad and I and Chris Robinson and, you know, Trey Anastasio from Fish came down one time. 
and you know all these uh, Bill Kirchin and yeah uh, John Mayer and you know all these crazy musicians would come down and you know if they're playing in the bigger room or, or outside in the, the big park stage sometimes they'd stay the next day and or the day come the day before and and jam with us in in the in the little room so yeah that was kind of our learning ground and sort of over the course of those 10 years that the the, the venue was open you know i i kind of folded into filling friends at the same time when when my dad would would play outside of there all right well, i gotta ask you this question we ticked off that he didn't rename it phil lesh and family and friends uh no because we also had the terrapin family band which okay. sort of started as uh as me and um and and you know we're also friends <laughs> He's, we're not just family <laughs> i'm teasing you of course not everyone's good friends with their family i guess but yeah uh, we are we all are so we're very close good for you so you've been playing with your dad for a while you've been going all over the world in these different bands that must have been an incredible experience for you yeah absolutely um i'm very lucky uh, obviously uh, just to be born to the family I was in all the ways, you know, and that's sort of the core of the whole thing. But, you know, you also got to be able to hang. So um, I'm lucky that I had the sort of experience that let me be able to do that musically and, and fit in with all these crazy players. I'm just curious. You said that you were around eight years old when, when Jerry Garcia passed. Mm -hmm. What was your observation, if you had one at that time, is that how did that change your dad's perspective? I mean, it must have been kind of a shock for everybody in the dead and and all of their fans. What do you remember about that? Um, I don't I don't remember a ton. I mean, Jerry, to me, was like my uncle. He was my dad's friend. I'd see him all, all the time. But, you know, when you're a kid and your parents, friends kind of take on this sort of mythical uh, quality, even if they're not Jerry Garcia, you know, but yeah, he was, he was our uncle and everything. And, you know, he was, he was dear friends with my dad and, and my parents. So when he passed it, you know, it was a big deal. Um, and my dad took off, I think almost three years, um, from playing, uh, music out in the world. He was just our dad. And then sort of came back. He played with the other ones, uh, which was the sort of first post-dead incarnation with, I think that was just with Mickey Hart and Bob Weir. I don't think Kurtzman, uh, Bill Kurtzman uh, joins them until later. Uh, and then he, then he, he and my mom started Phyllis and Friends, which, you know, I don't know that I can speak to, you know, the sort of, uh, mental effects or, you know, like a, a change in uh, mind frame or anything like that. But I do know that, you know, it was a, it was a crazy time in their lives. And, uh, and, you know, after they, they took a beat and took a, a couple years, he came back and made some of, in my opinion, his best music. So, um, and Phil and Friends is still going and that, that band in all its, revolving forms is is still just an amazing accomplishment every time it goes on stage you bet they've been around for a long long time and still have an enormous fan base
Hi, everybody. This is Robert Miller, your host. As you know by now, I'm a musician, too. I've released 13 acclaimed albums, including a Billboard number one, and I've had millions of video views and streams. I infuse my music into the podcast in several ways. In each episode, I feature one of my songs underneath the introduction and at the end, and I always try to make that song relevant somehow to my guest. I also regularly write and record new music, and I release all of my new music via the podcast to my audience consisting of thousands of listeners from 200 countries. It's like I'm performing a concert on a worldwide basis. If you haven't done so yet, I invite you to check out all of my music and my band, Project Grand Slam, by going to the band's website, projectgrandslam.com and at the pgsstore.com. You can also find all of our videos on YouTube and you can stream our music on Spotify, Apple, and all the other streaming services. By the way, the song you're hearing underneath my voice right now is called Metro Shuffle. It's from the Project Grand Slam album, The PGS Experience, and it features the great Mindy Abair on saxophone. It's become my go-to theme song for the podcast. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and to my music, and we'll see you in the next episode. All right, I want to segue into your band, Midnight North, and this would be a good time yeah. to start doing that little song fest thing. So you sent me a few Midnight North tracks, and the first one that we're playing here now underneath is called The Colors Here. The twister might be your best escape This house has been shaken And twisted from the floor I got a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore A new perspective's worth the fear of the colors here which is kind of a tender song. You know, you've got your female singer in there. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so uh, the singer you mentioned, uh, she also wrote the song. Her name is Elliot Peck. She's our other front person in Midnight North. Um, and we met in, I guess, late 2011, early 2012 with Connor O'Sullivan, our bass player. Uh, the three of us kind of started jamming. And it, it uh, you know, it's sort of, really tied in with Terrapin Crossroads and the timing with that, with my folks opening that place, because like I was mentioning before with, uh, with Terrapin, uh, we had to fill all this time on the little bar stage. So, you know, if, if we didn't have Terrapin, Midnight North would have been jamming in, you know, in Elliot's apartment or something or in a garage somewhere, but we got to do it in front of people, which really, 
you know, we got to be a baby band and try stuff out, um, in front of people. And that I think was really important for us. So that's, that's sort of just a little backstory to, uh, which is to say that, yeah, Elliot and I have been, and Connor have been in this band together for over 11 years now. And, uh, you know, we've been writing together and, and, and creating music for a while. And I, this is one of my favorite songs that Elliot's ever written. It's our new single from the new album, which is why I sent it to you. Um, but I think it, it really shows a maturity in our approach to be able to, to do a piano based kind of ballad of, of this quality. And, um, it's, it's a, it's a track, it's a recording that I'm really uh, really thrilled with and we started playing it live and it's really gone over pretty great and uh yeah so that's that's the colors here i agree with you it's a very tender song and you know there's not that many tender songs that are being played these days in my opinion uh let's go to the next one this is called the sailor and the sea a very different kind of thing this is a funky kind of a track for me So tell us about that one. Yeah, so this was um, one of the tracks off our last album that came out in 2021. Uh, the album's called There's Always a Story. Um, and this one is just a, a, a fun example of a song that I wrote that kind of took a, a left turn into, into a different vibe than what it was when I wrote it. It was kind of a, a folky uh, acoustic guitar strum song. And I took it to the band and and the the feel that it has uh the slinky funky baseline that connor added to it and the 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 groove that that connor and our drummer nathan put to it like really brought out the best in in the in the song in my in my opinion and you know in combination with the colors here it kind of shows our range as a band i think all right so let's do one more you sent me a, a track from Phil Esch and Friends, which was live at the Capitol Theater. So tell us about that one. Um, so this was a run we did, yeah, in 2021, which, you know, the Capitol Theater is a place that we have uh, quite a relationship with. My dad's played over 100 shows there. They, they, they hung a banner for him at, at his 100th, which was recently. He has, a, you know, we, our family has a relationship with Peter Shapiro, who runs that, uh, that venue and also the Brooklyn Bowls and, and some other venues as well. 
So Phil and Friends has been doing runs of multiple shows there for about 10 years now, uh, probably a little longer, I think, since it reop- the cap reopened in, I think, 2012 or 13. And it's just a ripping, ripping version of a couple of these dead songs on this, on this video. I think Jack Straw is the first track. For anybody that doesn't know, the Capitol Theater is just outside of New York City. Yep, in Port Chester. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful venue. In fact, I played there a few years ago as well with my band. And it's it's become, you know, like a jam band kind of venue. There's a lot of, you know, jam bands that have played there. And it's and mm-hmm. like you said, it's attached to the Brooklyn Bowl because of the the owner's got he's got both of them. Yeah. So it's a great venue and it's wonderful to see that your dad, you know, he's past 80 at this point. He's still out there playing. You're playing with him. Must be a lot of fun to be doing those gigs. Oh yeah, we we really have a great time, and um, you know the whole Grateful Dead vibe is about the live show. So I figured I'd send you for the Songfest thing uh, a live show. So I was I had I had a good time going through all the the live videos I could find, finding one that I thought would be would be cool uh, to send you, and just this this particular lineup and how unique it was. Yeah, I I, I really dug it. So. Well, you did a great job of sending the right track, for sure. We have been speaking here with Graham Lesh, who is Phil Lesh's son. He's got his own band called Midnight North. He's in Phil Lesh's Terrapin Family Band. He's in Phil Lesh and Friends. He's played with everybody in the entire world, it seems. Mm -hmm. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast, Graham. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, we're going to listen now to that song of mine that started off the podcast, It's the song called Trippin'. And I want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Follow Your Dream podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast so you don't miss another inspiring episode. You can connect with Robert at robert at followyourdreampodcast.com. And you can hear more from his band, at projectgrandslam.com and at thepgsstore.com.